And when you really think about the last year and a half, not only is it a global pandemic, but then you think about the social landscape and everything that we have been through. And I almost think that was harder for brands to navigate from an advertising standpoint because, you know, everything is real time and, you know, headlines are hitting the, the news today and you've got an Ed Cal that's scheduled for post three days from now. And none of that's relevant, you know, with what's happening on a day-to-day basis. So I absolutely underestimated the number of times that we would have to kind of as an industry come together and figure out how to pivot. Curious to know what industry-leading marketers are looking to achieve in the ever-evolving digital landscape? The How Agencies Thrive podcast by StackAdapt is dedicated to helping the new breed of forward-thinking, savvy, lean, and mean marketers win in the rapidly evolving digital landscape. Time to thrive. Since the start of the pandemic, Marketers have had to adopt flexible, fast-changing strategies to keep up with the changing digital landscape. Now, as many of us settle into the new normal, it's time to talk about what the new normal actually looks like. Today, we're exploring how agencies can thrive in the new digital marketing normal. We're joined by leaders in the industry to discuss the ways in which the digital marketing landscape has evolved, the silver linings that the pandemic has brought to the advertising industry, and what digital marketers can expect moving forward. What you'll find interesting about this episode is the unique perspective that each of the guests has in this roundtable. And what I really liked is that we weren't able to just reflect on the unprecedented year and a half that we just had, but see how positive of an impact this has had on how we communicate with consumers through effective advertising. As always, thank you for tuning in and enjoy this episode of the How Agencies Thrive podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode. My name is Matt Everett and I'm the host of the How Agencies Thrive podcast and I'm also the Education and Development Manager at StackAdapt. Today I'm joined by three guests, Chris Kane from Jounce Media, Nadine Tull from Mirren Business Development, and Vitaly Pacherski from StackAdapt. To kick things off, I'm going to hand it over to today's guests to tell us a little bit about themselves. Starting with you, Chris, why don't you tell us about what you do? how long you've been in the industry, and what you consider to be your strongest area of expertise. Yeah, my name is Chris Kane. I lead a consultancy called Jounce Media, and we are very focused on uh, putting some math around the programmatic supply chain. Uh, We work with marketers and publishers and tech platforms and uh, rigorously track spend across uh, any open internet media property, which works out to be about a million websites, half a million mobile apps and 50,000 CTV apps. Um, and on top of that data set, we think we can help uh, all of the participants across the supply chain make uh, more thoughtful choices about uh, how to drive efficiency in the in the supply chain. Next, uh, Nadine, we'll pass it over to you. Tell us a little bit hey. about yourself. Thanks so much. So my name is Nadine Toll. I'm a director of agency growth strategy at Mirin. Uh, we're a training firm focused on organic growth and new business. I have been in the industry about 20 years. I got my start at agencies, directing accounts, Taco Bell, T-Mobile, most recently before Mirren Washington's lottery. And I've been at agencies like Publicis and Draft FCB. I was in the WPP network. And my area of expertise now is truly organic growth. So, you know, at Mirren, we help give agency teams the tools, the skills, the methods 
to increase their share of their clients' marketing spend. In fact, we partnered with StackAdapt to conduct a study on just this topic recently. So I'm really happy to be here to share some insight today. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Nadine. We're glad to have you here as well. So finally, we'll we'll pass it over to Vitaly. So Vitaly was the host of last season. So Vitaly, just for our listeners, if we could have a quick refresh review, and then uh, we'll get started with the questions. Awesome. Yeah. So my name is Vitaly Pichersky. I'm uh, one of the co-founders of StackAdapt. Uh, so I've been in the industry for about 10 years, uh, just over 10 years. Uh, so I started my career in uh, performance advertising. So I was a part of a, um, a startup uh, at Parler. So they were one of the first companies to integrate with with Facebook through their ads API. Uh, so I had a lot of fun there. Once they got acquired, I uh, went on to work at um, one of the Holdco's where I met my co-founder. And um, for the past um, seven plus years, we've been building StackAdapt. Um, to be honest, I think of myself as uh, as a person, like kind of a jack of all trades. So I know a little bit about many things. Um, so naturally, I think I'm good at connecting dots. Um, so hopefully, I'll be able to weigh in on the conversation today. So as mentioned, this episode of the podcast will be a roundtable discussion on navigating the new normal in digital advertising. And the, really, the goal of this episode is to explore how the world has changed since we faced a global pandemic over a year and a half ago, and how this has made a lasting impact on the digital advertising industry. So to start things off, I'd like everybody to think back to March of 2020. This was when the entire core of every industry had the rug pulled out from under them, and frankly, digital was no exception. So at the time, how did you think that this would impact digital advertising? Sure. Uh, I was pretty pessimistic last March and felt like marketers, by necessity, were going to have to slash budgets um, and that you know that was going to affect everybody across the supply landscape. It was going to affect, of course, publishers. It was going to affect all of the tech platforms. It was going to create a big headwind for the agencies. It was going to create a big headwind for our business. Yeah, jumping in, I have to say, I, uh, I was a bit short-sighted. Also had a bit of that pessimistic slant, but I was thinking this is going to be a two-week disruption. We're all going to be back at it before we know it. You know, we do a lot of research with clients. Even when we were looking at the short-term, what I was thinking short-term impact, we were looking at client verticals, but quickly, you know, with the new direct-to-consumer opportunities that brands were facing, there was a huge opportunity for digital that kind of initially I just hadn't really considered there. Being a platform through which you know we see thousands of brands advertising in that um, those last two weeks of March, because we you know we're, we're just in general obsessed over data, so being able to look at dashboards and just see how different verticals are um, uh, buy, basically buying advertising across across the web, you know in real time seeing the impact of you know, lockdowns and um, over those last two weeks in March, it was it was definitely scary. You just refresh the dashboard, and you're like, oh wait. More spend is dropping. People are pausing campaigns, and it's it was very very intimidating. And I, I think in the back of my mind, I thought, well, like if that if like in theory, yes, like advertising is they they all say that advertising is kind of like the first um, budget line that goes in the cost cutting effort. But I think you know somewhere deep inside, I thought, okay, well digital has to stay. Like if, if, if like companies still have to grow somehow. 
And for many of them, advertising is kind of a blood line. So I thought, you know, if, if anything, digital will probably bounce back faster. And I, I think in that sense, I was not wrong. But, you know, those first few weeks was definitely scary. And I, um, I, I was, <laughs> you know, I was thinking, ah, oh, you know, and being in advertising space where, you know, you, you basically uh, make money when the advertisements are bought. And if no advertising is bought, being bought through the platform, then you're obviously not making money. It's a, it's a same model as maybe Uber. Um, and at that moment, I thought, ah, oh, it would be great if, you know, we had some subscription revenue. But truth be told, you know, even in that time, companies that have subscription revenue, all the customers came to them, started basically asking to pause their contracts. And reality is, in that, in that kind of a moment of crisis, I think everybody was on the same um, playing field, regardless of your business model. Everybody was in the, in the mode to, to try to help their customers while trying to survive. Um, but I think all things considered, you know, we, uh, we bounced back so fast, much faster than I anticipated, but being still at home in some ways, you know, we, we've, we already are operating in a new norm. Well, and Vitaly, you probably know better than, than us, but some of our clients were telling us about their, their own client roster. Now they have, you know, multiple verticals, but they were dropping 95% overnight. Like, and they just, it, so when they looked at their revenue, you know, that was even one of the big questions is how do we forecast? But that first few, I would even say the four weeks, everyone just like went to pause. So it was, it's very true that, that there was a lot to react to just with that very first time period there. Yeah. And I think in, the, in that, you know, that first week or second week, it just became apparent that there's going to be some companies that are just going to blow up big time. You know, you, you, you saw how, how rapidly Zoom stock, um, you know, rose. And, and we, I, I immediately started thinking, like, what, what is that going to be the next growth opportunity for us? And to be honest, I think I, uh, I was not entirely accurate with respect to, like, what actually is going to grow. Um, you know, some, some segments, um, they basically had like they, um, in, in digital specifically, they almost had no impact, you know, uh, verticals like healthcare, uh, B2B actually started growing faster as the segment because, because of pandemic. Um, so some of these changes definitely I would not have anticipated. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's all very interesting. And it, it's funny, Nadine, that you mentioned, kind of that two week mark, because I think when everything initially shut down, we thought it was only going to be a couple weeks. And it was just going to be this little hiccup. But here we yeah. are, you know, over a year and a half later. Yeah, and I think potentially the the reason advertising bounced back so quickly was, it's, um, you know, it was not a, it was not a company level cost cutting effort where they, you know, maybe think of, um, you know, we bring a new management or launch a new product and then we'll go back on the offense. But it's one of those survival moments when, you know, the whole industries are getting uprooted. So I think for many, for many companies, it was just mm, all or nothing. They had to find this new way, new areas of growth. And truth be told, a year and a half later, you know, for many of these companies, like, well, for many of these industries, it will never be the same. So whoever was able to adjust quickly and quickly pivot into new, new growth areas and win that share of mind from consumers in the new, in the new um, um, consumption mode or a new, in a new buying behavior, these companies are thriving. Vitaly, that rebound that you're talking about, I think um, 
may have you know benefited Stack Adapt more than other companies. Um, what what things looked like on our side certainly is you know that two week shock, Nadine, that you were talking about. Yes, like everything is just sort of the world's on pause for some period of time, and then things start to come back. But when things started to come back, it really started to become clear what marketers considered to be discretionary spend and what they considered to be cost of sales or just sort of essential investments and actually helping them move product off shelf. And, um, you know, where that's really easy to track is, is, um, performance marketing platforms in the walled gardens or, or publicly traded companies, you know, Facebook did just fine. Um, because marketers don't think of Facebook as discretionary spend. Um, parts of the open internet did just fine as well. And, and, you know, happy to hear that Zach adapt, you know, saw a, a quick recovery. Um, because parts of the open internet have demonstrable business outcomes, you know, like you, you put money into this machine and you sell more product. And that is a very easy thing for marketers to justify continuing to invest in even amid some you know, economic uncertainty. But there's like big chunks of the open internet that where, where it's just hard to prove that an investment creates a business outcome. And that, that got hit pretty hard for a long period last year. Yeah, and I think parts of that market will probably never recover. You know, I was uh, looking at some stats for traditional TV. It dropped by about 15%, while connected TV grew 50%. And now I was just looking at this morning on a marketer stats about the forecast for, for traditional TV. And it basically stays flat for, for the next three years. Uh, so it kind of had that shock like that rapid drop and then basically stays flat for, for a foreseeable future. So it's kind of like, um, yeah, it definitely accelerated the change in many ways. Absolutely. So with that in mind, now that we're over a year and a half later and the world's starting to open back up, who here can say that they were right and who here can say that they were wrong? I was definitely too pessimistic. And I, Nadine, I share your point of view that's, well, I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm, uh, not capturing correctly, but mine was like, well, you know, we're going to have a couple of difficult weeks here. And, you know, like a year and a half later, the world hasn't fully rebounded to where it was. Advertising hasn't. So in that sense, it's been a very pleasant surprise. Um, but I think I significantly underestimated um, just sort of like the, the the duration of of how things would sort of change. And and Vitaly, kind of to your point, how things wouldn't completely sort of like bounce back to the way they were, that, that this was an accelerant for a bunch of long-term market trends that wound up playing out over the course of a couple of months rather than a couple of years. Yeah. You know what I, I really didn't anticipate is the number of times we were going to have to pivot. And, and when you really think about the last year and a half, not only is it a global pandemic, but then you think about the social landscape and everything that we have been through. And I almost think that was harder for brands to navigate from an advertising standpoint, because, you know, everything is real time and, you know, headlines are hitting the the news today and you've got an EdCal that's scheduled for post three days from now. And none of that's relevant, you know, with what's happening on a day-to-day basis. So I absolutely underestimated the number of times that we would have to kind of as an industry come together and figure out how to pivot. Like, okay, the economy is reopening. That's some great opportunity. Oh, oh, just kidding. We're coming back. You know, or this like really big headline is is happening now and, and what is our role? And so that is something, those those new kind of moments that I really I thought it was gonna be kind of that. All right, well, we've you know made the switch to remote and then eventually we'll make the switch back. But it has 
felt like a near constant pivot, I would say. And I, I really didn't see that coming. Yeah, for me, I think I was uh, surprised by resiliency of travel industry. Um, obviously, in those first months, it was hard. It was hit very hard. But now we're starting to see these new segments, specifically around domestic travel, that is just it's so big because people just people want to go to places and you know um for example i i'm currently in british columbia in canada and it seems like every friend of mine has visited british columbia in the past few months because you know it's a uh, for, for many of them even uh, for for people who live in toronto it, it was the first time coming all the way across the country uh, but this was a, an amazing reason for them to to explore the country that they live in um and uh, it, w- it was interesting to see just how consumer trends are shaping around more exploration around uh, local tourism or you know domestic tourism um and i think i was definitely surprised by um, not just how quickly that will um uh, that will bounce back but like just how big it can become um a part of like just a normal uh, like people actually make plans around domestic travel now a lot more than international. I think that's probably going to stay. You know, it's funny too, because with, with the changing, it's like changing consumer behavior and, and, but brands are behaving so differently too. So even now, and kind of across the board with our clients, you know, late 2020 started ramping up and, you know, as people are finally realized we got to do something right. So in general, we're seeing growth trends for sure, but you know, we see scope creep as clients are looking for, hey, this is the strategy needs to shift. So you need to replan all of this out and then put the execution together all within the original scope. We see compressed timelines, delayed payment terms. So it's interesting how a year and a half later, even the nature of the business is different than it was 18 months ago. And uh, I actually want to ask a question to Chris. Um, since you obviously so closely work with companies on the supply side, um, talk to us a little bit more about the connected TV and how um, how that really played out last year. And what do you see on your end with respect to to growth of that channel um, into going into twenty twenty two? CTV. It's so interesting. CTV is like the upside down image of web and mobile app business dynamics in so many ways. Um, you know, it's, it's supply constrained. It's still very early in its transparency. The companies generally on the sell side of the market have a lot more leverage than they're accustomed to having in the web. So anyway, what I think is basically happening or what, what has happened over the last year in CTV, um, is sort of like a bit of, um, uh, a, a point of tension between the most premium sellers who sort of recognize that connected TV and in particular programmatically traded connected TV advertising is likely to be a very core part of their business over the next decade. So, you know, think about like the major media companies, both distributors like, you know, Sling and Hulu um, and content owners like NBCU and Discovery. Um, They're watching very closely um, but are still kind of selling the old-fashioned way, particularly the the, the content owners. Um, and then on the other side, you have a bunch of opportunists who I won't name, but you know a lot of a lot of companies who are sort of rushing into the CTV space um, without creating a whole lot of value, um, either acting as supply chain intermediaries or as you know very very low quality publishers. 
um, and trying to soak up uh, ad budgets where, you know, for, for these supply constrained campaigns. And so what, what that all, the way that all plays out for, you know, the buying community is it's very hard as a marketer um, or, or as a platform that supports marketers um, to sort of take full advantage of this CTV opportunity, which really is very powerful and produces amazing outcomes for marketers um, while being, you know, very sort of cautious and, and disciplined about making sure that, you know, you're not trading with the opportunists, that you really are working with sort of innovative companies who are in this space for, for, for the long haul. Yeah. And, and what sort of dynamics do you see with, with respect to upfronts? I, I've been reading that, um, you know, with, with Olympics, um, slightly indexing lower on the expected viewership, um, advertisers haven't been getting as much of a, um, a reach. Do you, do you expect connected TV will go, um, it will become more of an openly traded, uh, inventory, or do you think it's going to be going in a direction of more of TV where it's going to be a lot more around upfronts and, and direct deals? There, there, at the moment, there have to be large upfront commitments. Um, and I think, you know, you see this from even like public earnings, earnings reports from, you know, companies like discovery, they've got more demand than they know how to handle. Um, and so to the extent that, you know, discovery or, um, Viacom CBS or, you know, some other premium, uh, content owner, you know, has the opportunity to lock up a premium price commitment in the upfronts, how could they turn that down? Um, what I think is really interesting is that there are, there are sort of non-traditional buyers in the upfront all of a sudden who are saying to the content owners, I'll pay you right now for your inventory, but then I want the right to go and sell it programmatically. Um, and that's a pretty, um, a pretty big bet. You know, a company's potentially laying out lots of cash to just secure sales rights um, and then making that inventory available programmatically. There's only a handful of companies who have sort of like the balance sheet to do that. But that is really exciting for, I mean, for me, I presume for everybody on this discussion, but you know, just for like the, the programmatic buying community in general, because it, it does create a bridge to bringing some premium supply into auction-based markets. That's very interesting. Uh, Matt, I'm sorry I was hijacking the conversation. I was just so curious about the trends in TV, CTV. <laughs> no, no worries. You know what? It, it is a roundtable discussion. So anywhere it goes, where it goes. So um, we're just about at, at the time for the break. But I did want to ask one final question before we, we get there. Um, Nadine, you mentioned a little bit about these changes in consumer attitudes and behaviors and I'd be interested to hear from everybody else. And Nadine, feel free to jump in as well and add more. But how do you think these consumer attitudes and behaviors have changed in a positive way or a negative way throughout the pandemic? Well, I'll jump in in first just to say, you know, it's it's very little exaggeration to say that just about everything is different, right? And Vitaly, you mentioned about people and the way that they're traveling these days more locally than long distance. And, you know, we heard a little bit about um, just some of the industries that are growing, home services and retirement, like the way that consumers think about things is totally shifted and their behaviors have shifted. And you know, it's a huge opportunity for agencies if you think about it, because clients are craving insights. It's like, what is the purchase behavior? How has it changed? And truly what was accurate 12 weeks ago has probably changed. 
So we see pretty big disruption in brands as who their target is, who they're, you know, how people are using their brands. Um, so there's there's been a lot shifting since the pandemic. I think it's all kind of on the table at this point. Yeah, I think a segment I, w- I would personally would like to call out is uh, B2B. Um, uh, we've seen so much change in that segment because uh, the way software is being sold ha- has changed so much in the past 18 months uh, with um, people not being able to attend conferences or traveling to do business. Everything is shifting towards account-based marketing, demand generation, um, and that will likely stay. Um, so I, I read a stat from uh, PwC that only 6% of people want to go back to the office. And... 34% of people feel more productive than they felt before before the pandemic. Uh, like, I, I, I certainly feel that way myself. Uh, so, naturally, the way we work now for, 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 for B2B will likely stay like that for, for years to come. And uh, you don't have to look far. I'm sure everybody has seen ads from Monday.com. Monday. <laughs> like, they're, they're one of the largest advertisers right now. And I think... That's a, such a big opportunity for, for, for B2B marketers because companies are going through digital transformation across the board. So from anything like virtual collaboration, human resources, uh, software, and infrastructure, they're trying to play, up, uh, play a catch-up game in many ways. Um, and there's a lot of discussionary spend happening around buying new software. So I think B2B is one of those segments that will just continue growing really, really rapidly. From my perspective, the main the main consumer change is, uh, or as it relates to advertising, is marketers are just realizing that there are huge and very important populations that are just unreachable through traditional channels. And I've found, just to sort of make this um, you know specific and anecdotal, like the language we hear from clients for years was they would think of online video as reach extension. You know, like the main way they want to reach people with video is through televisions. And then they would use online video as a mechanism to extend that reach into households that they couldn't reach through TV. It's upside down now. You know, it's sort of like sort of TV's on in the background and I, you know, I can get some mass reach there. But like the main way that I'm going to reach my consumers is through digital devices, through web, mobile app and CTV advertising. Um, and when that happens, it, it kind of reorients how marketers think about, um, you know, planning and measurement because, you know, it used to be like, okay, well, I've got, you know, target rating points for my television campaigns, and now I need some similar metric so that I can create apples to apples comparisons on the efficiency of my online video campaigns. It's sort of the opposite now. It's like, hey, I measure real outcomes for my digital advertising, and now I want to put a bunch of pressure on the traditional TV companies to, you know, stop talking about TRPs and help me understand the business outcomes of my television investments. You know, Chris, one thing to add to that, just a personal um, thing that I love so much is how online, offline, there used to really kind of be a generational divide between that. But now as families are trying to keep in touch and the only way that they can do that is in the Mm -hmm. online world, we've really seen the generations kind of merge together in their usage of different platforms. And I think that's a really kind of wonderful uh, bonus that has come from, from all of this. Perfect. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you, Nadine. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Vitaly. Um, With that in mind, we'll take a a quick break and we'll be right back to talk about winning strategies and how the industry has continued to change as we head into the new year. 
You know your advertising should be multi-channel, so why isn't your ad platform? StackAdapt offers multi-channel advertising solutions across native, display, video, connected TV, and audio. With access to all of the major exchanges and more than 55,000 publishers. As if that wasn't enough, StackAdapt is also the highest rated programmatic ad platform according to G2. It's time to elevate your digital ad campaigns. Request a demo at stackadapt.com. StackAdapt, how agencies thrive. And we're back. As mentioned at the beginning of this roundtable episode, we're joined by three experts in digital advertising. So Chris, Nadine, Vitali, as people who sit within the industry, but not directly in the chair of those working on an agency or brand direct side, what were some winning strategies that you witnessed that helped agencies thrive in the new marketing normal that has evolved? I can start on this one. I think the um, it, it sort of links to what I was saying before that you know digital channels are becoming sort of like the primary vehicle to reach consumers. Um, and as marketers, you know, significantly grow their investment in particularly the open internet, um, what I see the most forward-thinking agencies doing is getting much more organized on having a really rigorous understanding of what is in the supply chain. That's not that hard to do for Facebook or for YouTube or for Amazon. Like I'm sure agencies have a whole bunch of, of headaches about those platforms, but they don't have any uncertainty about what they're buying. You just kind of know the ad product because you're a consumer there. That's really hard to do across one and a half million different properties that are each designed and monetized uniquely. And it's sort of, it's been this sort of like intractable problem for years. Um, but there are a bunch of new tools available. And I think we are now seeing the most forward thinking agencies get really organized on making sure that they have a very detailed understanding, both like, a data-driven understanding, but also just like a, a user experience understanding of the inventory that they're buying on the open internet. Well, and, you know, we, so we work with a lot of agencies and, you know, in the digital space and, and kind of outside of that as well. And what we're really finding, number one, is agencies, like I said, we did this, this research uh, report recently, and agencies are doubling down really on how can we mine our current client roster for new projects and revenue, as opposed to kind of chasing new business in the pitch setting and even in prospecting, right? Like we've really found this focus on where's the growth potential, the revenue potential with our current clients. And then, you know, we're kind of digging in with that as well. And what we found is there are a lot, certainly organic growth is on the mind of most agencies, but a lot that just kind of sit back and wait for new assignments. And of course, that's not not the way to go. You're not going to be methodical or consistent with that at all. You can't get that predictable growth. Um, but those those agencies that were really seeing the most success had detailed planning and they were bringing forward strategic insight. Now, you know, Chris, as you're talking about all the different platforms and, and technologies and like clients don't really know their way forward. So as agencies are able to bring insight forward now, they crave insights. We just talked about, you know, how much has changed with consumer attitudes and behaviors in the last 18 months. So those agencies that can bring forward research and insight or, you know, even here's the customer journey model and how it's changed and how we can impact it in these platforms. So that's really where we're seeing the greatest success is really coming forward with new projects grounded in 
new insights that they can share with their client teams? Yeah, I have to agree with Nadine. I think the biggest opportunity for for agencies is really around uh, that organic growth is and finding ways to deliver more value to their existing customers. You know, if if um, if any of the listeners are stacking up customer, they probably know how much we obsess over surveys and we we collect so much data. And that all that information is being deployed to 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 be actually actually taken very seriously to to improve our product, enhance our offerings all all across the board. Um, and I think you know going back to that report uh, that you you brought up, Nadine. Um, uh, interestingly, you know when we asked uh, agencies what prevents them from bringing forward new ideas to their uh, to their clients, about a quarter of them said that it's the concern that. The client will say, "Well, why didn't you bring this idea in the first place?" And I think I think it's all about positioning really yourself as as being there together on the on this path of discovery and experimentation. Because you know nowadays there's so much uncertainty and onboarding new client. There's it's there's no necessarily a, a formula that will work for everybody. I think it uh, it all has to be started with a very clear expectation that it's you have you're coming in into this project as a partner, and you you'll succeed together and you fail together. Um, and with that angle, you can a lot better be a lot more justified bringing forward new ideas, and because inevitably new ideas will emerge as more data becomes available. Uh, so I think it's it's really about uh, helping existing customers succeed and and uh, and continue evolving in in these uh, uncertain times. Absolutely, thanks, uh, thanks Vitaly for that. Now we're just about at time, so I wanted to throw one final question out to our guests today. There's this old expression that every cloud has a silver lining. So when we think about everything that we've discussed today, about the past, the present, the future of digital. How do you think that the last year positively impacts the industry as we head into the latter portion of 2021 and into 2022? I'm personally incredibly excited for that acceleration of digitization of the economy. Um, you know, I, I, for the first time, tried telemedicine in the past 18 months. And now, in most cases, whenever I have a question, I just... I use one of the platforms. Um, I, I don't think I actually it, I started buying more stuff on e-commerce. I just started stopped, started buying less stuff all across the board because I don't leave my house. <laughs> um, but and you know, even when I do, um, I can't remember last time I, I touched cash, for example. So all of these changes are inherently really good for uh, for programmatic advertising uh, because it. All, Adoption of digital technologies across the board helps our business without a doubt. Um, but I think, from with respect to industry trends, um, I think there's a lot of opportunities um, to rediscover that new norm. So, for example, I was thinking more about uh, travel industry and what positive outcomes could come from 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 this this reset. And because more people work on um, because more people work on, um, remotely. Uh, because um, because people um, are trying to avoid crowds and have more privacy, we can potentially see a lot more travel happening off season. So not not all of a sudden everybody travels around end of August and uh, around Christmas time, but people may travel and um, really odd times and explore those destinations during months that nobody else does. So that presents a really great opportunity for for 
travel marketers where they can really build up their business all throughout the year versus building it only around certain peaks of consumer travel. Um, so yeah, lots to be excited from my perspective. Um, I, I know that these are still really challenging times and I, I'm, I definitely feel fortunate that we're in, in the part of the economy that's, that's booming and evolving so rapidly, um, which I can, I, I definitely feel really, um, uh, grateful for and and, and fortunate, um, but I think there's a lot lot to get excited about. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in. I think that really kind of stepping back, it it's such a wonderful opportunity for agencies to lead the way because nobody has the answers. And I feel like two years ago there's this sense of like, oh, it's a big brand and clients have all the answers and we'll do as we're told. But now. Everything has changed with the way consumers are behaving and the way that we're connecting with our target audience and with each other and behaviors and attitudes are changing. And so really, when you're thinking about the role of an agency partner, it, it has become such of that that we can figure it out together, right? And there's such a great opportunity in that to truly be partners to your clients as opposed to just kind of those digital vendors. Um, and I think that's a really exciting development as again, we're all just sort of trying to figure this out together. I think from my point of view, um, you know, the, the theme of the, the silver lining, in all of this is we did have this sort of moment in time to challenge, you know, what is a good use of resources, time, cash, whatever, like, are we spending our resources well? And, you know, on a personal level, you know, doing a commute into New York city every day didn't meet that list and it worked out just fine. You know, like, we, we've learned how to be more productive um, by removing just some sort of like unnecessary things from our lives that weren't actually creating much value and just trying to be a headache. And I think there's something similar to be said for advertising. Um, 2020 was a real reality check for a lot of companies on the sell side of the market um, who realized that they weren't creating enough value to justify ongoing investments, you know, and back to the rebound that Vitaly and Nadine both talked about, like when the rebound happened, it wasn't even. Um, and I think that was great. That created a lot of accountability on the sell side of the market to, you know, ensure that your company, whether you're a media company or technology or your company is really creating value for marketers because marketers have now had the opportunity to turn everything off and then be very selective in what they turn back on. And I hope that that, I think that will be a long-term uh, positive for our industry. Yeah, it's true. Like when you really have to add, like investigate it, it, it gives you a chance to evaluate what do we change? What do we keep doing? What do we grow? And this absolutely was such a great opportunity for marketers to do that. Well, with that in mind, as we head into the not so distant future, this concludes our episode. So on behalf of myself, our listeners, Chris, Nadine and Vitaly, thank you so much for your expertise and insights on navigating the new normal in digital marketing. This has been the How Agencies Thrive podcast, and we can't wait to see you succeed in your upcoming campaigns. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been the How Agencies Thrive podcast. If you like what you heard, then there's three things that you can do to support the show. Number one, subscribe. Number two, leave us a review. And number three, Share our podcast on social media or with anyone who might find value in this content. If you have questions or feedback or just want to learn how agencies and brands work with StackAdapt, you can find us at stackadapt.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.